Good morning, everybody. Hello, and welcome back to another week of Wine and Wellbeing. My name is Mariah, and I'm your host. And happy Monday, or happy whatever day you're listening to this. Thank you for listening. It means so much. And thank you to everybody who bought a sweatshirt. It makes me so happy to see everybody purchase one. And I'm excited for them to come in and then see everybody wear them. I think they're cute. So thank you so much. Um, They will still be available for purchase until May 30th. So um, you have about a week, another week to get one. Um, so thank you. This week, I am so excited to have Nicole Gee on today's podcast. And she is a registered dietitian nutritionist. She is full of so much knowledge. And she has her own intuitive eating program. So I am very excited that she took the time to sit down and chat with me to be on the podcast. And I'm so excited to continue recording with some amazing people coming up. I'm really excited for what's to come on the podcast. And I'm really excited for you guys to hear all of these great episodes that I have recorded with some really cool people. So, and next week is Memorial Day. So, happy almost Memorial Day. I feel like that's the official kickoff start to summer. And it's crazy that it's already almost June. So, so exciting. I love that the weather's getting warmer and I feel like it's just good moods all around. So, all right, let's get on into this week's episode. And without further ado, here is Nicole Gee. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another week of Wine and Wellbeing. This week, I am joined with Nicole Gee, and she is a registered dietitian nutritionist and an intuitive eating counselor. Nicole, I'm so excited to have you on this week's podcast. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Um, so like Mariah said, I'm a dietitian and I have a master's degree in dietetics administration and I'm a certified intuitive eating counselor. So cool. So cool. Um, and what type of clients do you work with? Yeah, so I work with the clients who um, struggle with disordered eating. So that could be anything from stress eating to emotional eating, from binge eating, um, having intense food cravings, uh, troubles with restriction, um, weight cycling, um, body image issues. Those are the typical clients that I see. Yeah, that's awesome. And just a handful of those things that you said, like I can find myself relating to those type of things. So um, I think it's really cool that you help people in a lot of those aspects. And yeah, thank you. yeah, of course. And for people who don't know, can you explain what intuitive eating is? Yes, I feel like there's a lot of misunderstanding around intuitive eating. Yeah. <laughs> it actually started with two dietitians. Um, to 25 years ago, they came up with the concept of intuitive eating. And it's a research-based framework with 10 principles that um, teaches you how to connect to your biological cues of hunger, fullness, and satisfaction. So you can determine how much, when, what you're going to eat. And in a nutshell, that's what it is. Yeah, that's awesome. I love the word that you use, satisfaction, because I feel like especially maybe in this day and age and just with portion sizes that we have in America, it's like hard for people to tune into themselves and actually figure out when they're satisfied. I don't know. Would you agree with that? 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of confusion and a lot of body distrust Yeah, um, because we're born as intuitive eaters. If you're with a baby, you'll see that they show early signs of hunger by like sucking their fingers or they'll start to root. Yeah. You're kind of like, oh, yeah, they're... Their, uh, their body is making these signals that let us know that, okay, they're ready for food. And they also know when to stop. They'll like push away from you or they'll like, yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Um, so we're born with those signals. And then as we age and society conditions us to um, have a more moralistic view of food and bodies, where we start to have like this hierarchy of, okay, these are the good foods. Yeah. Um, these are the good body shapes that I should strive for. And then this, these are the bad ones. Yeah. And then that kind of messes with things. We start to feel like guilt and shame oh, about our sure. eating choices. Yeah. And, you know, focusing, fearing weight gain, things like that. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think it's so cool. I mean, just even watching this with my own son, I mean, as we are starting to give him more solid foods and stuff, like you will know when he's had enough, he's like turning uh-huh. his head, he won't open his mouth anymore. They're throwing the food on the floor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's crazy how we're just born with that natural instinct. And then like mm-hmm. so many things just play into it as we get older. And it's like, just sure. that for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you say that not eating enough could lead to overeating then? Yeah, definitely. Um, So I don't know if you've had these days. Actually, I feel like everyone has had these days where either you're busy or you're following a diet plan and you don't eat very much throughout the day. And then at the end of the day, (laughs) you are starving and you just eat whatever's in sight and you eat meat until you feel stuffed. Yes. So that state of hunger is called primal hunger. Uh And that happens when we haven't eaten enough or when we can eat, we're not getting enough. So maybe you're not eating at all or you're not eating enough when you have the opportunity. Yeah. Um, So this is just like a biological mechanism. It's um, very normal. We tend when we do that and we feel out of control with food, we think that we have a character flaw Mm -hmm. and that we're weak. But it's actually just a biological response to a lack of nourishment. So I always use this example with my clients. Uh, when you're swimming and you hold your breath underwater for a long period of time and you finally come to the surface, you take like these huge breaths mm-hmm. and we don't say like, Oh my God, that person's like out of control with breathing. Yeah. <laughs> we just like, your body out. needs it. Yeah. If your body's overcompensating for the deprivation of air and that's how it's getting that air back. So same thing with food. And um, we have this big urgent response to get us to um, eat more calories because we went without for so long. Yeah. And I know, I mean, for me personally, if I go a while without eating, I get hangry for one. And <laughs> sometimes I'm just like, sometimes I just get sick to my stomach. If I'm like, it's like my stomach hurts because I need food. So yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So those are negative. Like yeah, for sure. Those are signs of being too hungry. And same thing if I, I'm a pretty positive person. I definitely have my moments where I also get hangry and it's funny because my partner will be like, wait, did you eat? I'm like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> my, husband, something. <laughs> yeah, my husband is the same way. He, he'll be like, okay, you're getting a little bit of an attitude. Are you hungry? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm hungry. We need to get some food. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so do you have any ways that we can avoid this primal hunger? Yeah. So one is being able to recognize those early signs of hunger. So for example, um, 
thinking about food is an early sign of hunger when you start to have increased thoughts, mm-hmm. maybe an inability to make decisions. You're not focusing and you're thinking about food. Yeah, um, totally. You feel that little rumbling in your stomach. You're starting to feel a dip in your energy. Those yeah. are all signs that the body is trying to communicate to you to say like, hey, I'm starting to get hungry. I'm starting to need some more calories. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to figure out what you're going to do in terms of feeding me. Yes. <laughs> And so that kind of gives you a head start so you can get to, you know, your restaurant, wherever you're going to eat before you get way too hungry. Yes. Um, what would you say for somebody who has such a busy schedule or their life just feels really chaotic? You know, what? and people say this sometimes and they're like, oh, I'm just like, didn't eat anything today. I just forgot to eat. I'm like, how did you forget to eat? Because <laughs> if I go more than like four hours without a snack, I'm starving. Yeah, but how yeah. can people work on that if they have a busy schedule where they just can't find time to eat? Yeah. So I think a lot of it is just making it priority. And then one thing I'll do with my clients is we'll go through a self-care assessment and we'll just uh, figure out, you know, are there parts of your life that are off balance? Yeah. It's a priority to feed your body. I think of feeding your body with the same neutrality as going to the bathroom. (laughs) When I use this example, but I think it's a really good example because we don't have any judgment about relieving ourselves. When you feel those sensations that you need to go to the bathroom, you respond to it in a timely manner. Um, When we don't do that, obviously bad things happen. So the same thing with our hunger is we have to have the same priority. Like, okay, I'm starting to feel these hunger cues. Um, I need to take care of this and not put it on the back burner. And sometimes if you are um, having a really chaotic um, schedule, you may miss those cues as well. Because you're just so busy and there's all these different things happening and your kids coming up to you and, you know, someone's calling you on the phone. Um, So being able to step back and set some boundaries and be able to, um, doesn't mean you have to like not have anything happening in your life, Mm -hmm. but being able to make that a priority. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I always keep snacks in my car too. Oh, and that's such like, a good idea. Truly, my husband, like that little middle compartment, he'll look in there for like sunglasses or gum. And he's like, oh, <laughs> I see you got your snacks filled in there. And I'm like, well, yeah, because you never know when you're going to be hungry. Like yes. from work, I always eat a snack, even though I know I'm going to mm-hmm. be having dinner. I'm like, I'm hungry. <laughs> yes, exactly. In fact, I do the same thing and I ran out of snacks today and I was like, <laughs> oh no, there's like this panicky feeling like, oh shoot. But yeah, yeah like when, you know, put snacks in your car, in your purse, in your diaper bag, whatever, so that you have them on hand. Just mm-hmm. in case. Yeah. So I think this could also lead into us talking about dieting. Um, So I know certain diets say you only need to eat at certain times or eat certain foods. So I guess, how would you help clients resolve that way of thinking um, Mm -hmm. and encourage them to eat when they're hungry and not like, I know intermittent fasting is what comes to mind when people want to wait until after 12 or a certain time to eat. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts on that? And how would you help change that mindset? Yeah, um, there's a couple of different approaches you could take to that. And that's a really great question because I feel like intermittent fasting is a hot topic. It's a popular diet that people follow. Yeah. Um, I would have them look at what happens when they follow that type of schedule, when they're ignoring their hunger cues and they're waiting until a set time to eat. Mm-hmm. Do they find that they're having binge episodes? Um 
Are they, are they having those moments where they're just eating, eating, eating and going way past their fullness cues and feeling that physical discomfort of overeating and being able to connect that to, okay, is that because you were in that primal state of hunger being too hungry Right. Um, and then encouraging them to experiment and try to start eating when they start to feel those earlier uh, gentle um, hunger instead mm-hmm. of waiting for the end. And a part of that too is um, diving into their beliefs about weight loss and um, figuring out, you know, why the reasoning behind that too, you know, yeah, what are they totally. hoping to achieve with weight loss? What kind of, um, how do you fantasize your life would change if you were at a smaller size? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also talking about the research around weight loss too, and how it tends to work in the short term. But then in the long term, we find that research shows um, that people gain weight from it. It's one of the um, best predictors of weight gain. Um, so starting to yeah look at that research. So there's a couple different approaches I would take with that. Yeah. Okay. I love that. I think another thing that comes to mind would be then the keto diet where you're eating like what 90% of fat in your diet would you say that it would be more beneficial to have more balanced meals with like a carb or protein and a fat and that would actually keep you fuller or just be more beneficial to you in the long run? Yes. So um, the brain only uses glucose, which comes mainly from carbohydrates, um, which comes from carbohydrates. Um, So when you're not getting that, then your body has to come up with these creative ways to make glucose. Yeah. One of the ways it does that is by eating your lean muscle and converting that to glucose, or it's using fat and converting fat to glucose, which sounds lovely, like, great, yeah, use my fat. But there's some negative side effects of that. And um, so it can lead to some harmful um, outcomes. Um, So the body really has to have that balance, like you said, of fat, um, protein, and carbohydrate, and we don't want to skim on any of those. Um, And that's really a hallmark of nutrition, which we often talk about is having that balance of those micronutrients, those energy providing nutrients for sure. Yeah. Do you think that depriving yourself of certain foods also will lead to then maybe overeating later or just binging on those foods that you're depriving yourself of and it's going to fuel those cravings. Absolutely. (laughs) And this is one I can definitely relate to. Um, Back in my dieting days, I would tell myself um, certain foods I couldn't have um, that I could only have, you know, a dessert once a week. And I would try to have these rules around um, when I could eat desserts. And unfortunately that would lead to the opposite outcome where I would want those desserts more. Oh my gosh. Um, Yes. Yeah. I think a lot of people can relate to that. Um, If you take a Psych 101 class, I feel like all of them talk about this famous study about a white bear, which is where I learned about that study. So um, in the study, they told the subjects to consciously avoid thinking about a white bear. And you can probably guess what happened. They of course, they think about it. <laughs> bear more. It's very much like the bad boy. It's off limits. We want it more because it's novel and interesting and exciting. So the same thing happens when we um, forbid foods as well. And that deprivation really creates these intense cravings. Yes, I know I can relate to that. Honestly, it was just something recently that we have in our house right now. But um, one of my dear friends, Casey, gave us some donuts and they are 
some of the best donuts. If you're local, they're like Nan's Donuts. I don't know if you've had them. Oh, yeah. Like Amish Donuts. And Mm -hmm. she gave us half a dozen of them. And so my husband and I originally split one and I was like, okay, that's really good. And then of course we have the rest of them sitting in our house. So each morning, like after I eat my breakfast, the last couple of days, I'm like, oh, let me just have a little bit. And then I'm like, okay, well, later I'm going to go back. Oh, I'm going to have a little bit more. And then like, by the end of the day, I ate the whole thing. So I'm uh-huh. like, it's like, cause I'm depriving myself of it to begin with. So I'm just going to end up eating the whole thing anyways. I might as well right. just eat it. Cause I want it. And then some. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. I feel like it's also similar to giving a kid or telling a, a child that they can't have a toy and then they want it even more. Yeah, they actually did research they, on this. Um, they gave, they told children, they gave them M&Ms and they said, okay, you can't eat the red ones, but you can eat all the other ones. And mm-hmm. then they ate more of the red ones yeah. and they tried this out with adults, not the same um, M&M study, but they told them, okay, in a specified amount of time, you can't have chocolate. And they saw that they ate more chocolate before and after. And I think anyone who has dieted can relate to that. What do you do the night before a diet? You eat all the foods you're going to plan on and you (laughs) binge on them and you stuff yourself and scarf it down because, you know, in the morning, you're not going to see those again. Um, And what's interesting is the more we diet, then those foods start to create this craving life and it just gets stronger and stronger and more enticing than it normally would have. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Thank you. And um, emotional eating. I feel like food is something that plays a huge role in our lives. Like it's just everywhere and it plays into your emotions and family gatherings, like social things and family and everything. So talking a little bit about emotional eating, um, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it both? Yeah, that is such a good question because I feel like there's a lot of shame around emotional eating, um, but we shouldn't have shame around it because you can have a healthy relationship with emotional eating. Yeah. Um, for Like you brought up that it is a part of social gatherings. It's a way to build relationships with friends and family. It's a way to celebrate. You think of the birthday parties and the yeah. graduation parties that people have had this weekend um, yes. and weddings, like food is a part of that. And that connection and we can use it for comfort, which can be, you know, it can enhance our lives, but then it can bring us joy. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Um, but then on the flip side, if you're using it to soothe or like push away difficult feelings, um, although that may be your only coping mechanism. So having that compassion that maybe that is all I had to deal with these difficult emotions and being able to be, um, express gratitude for that. Um, but also recognizing that it doesn't solve the issue, the underlying issues. Mm-hmm. And then you're left, you have to deal with um, the the physical discomfort of overeating. Yeah. So those are the downsides. Mm-hmm. I um, know you mentioned something about an emotional eating spectrum. Do you want to touch a little bit on that? Yeah. So in the book, Intuitive Eating, they talk about this spectrum of emotional eating. And the idea is that as you get further down the spectrum, emotional eating starts to become a problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, so at what the, the furthest end of the spectrum, they talk about sensory gratification. So this is like the pleasure you get from food, which is actually a good thing. I think that's another thing that society um, demonizes food. Like, oh, it shouldn't be pleasurable. Like, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, but if we have that pleasure, then it's going to contribute to satisfaction with our food. And um, if we have more satisfaction with food, we tend to eat less uh, smaller portions. Um, you probably 
well, I definitely had this experience. I feel like most people have where you're like, okay, I'm not going to have a cookie. So I'm going to eat an apple instead. Mm-hmm. Cause that is the same like sweet flavor, but then it just doesn't hit the mark. Oh, and so yeah. you keep on trying to like hunt around and you're just like grazing on different food. And then eventually you do eat the cookie and probably more. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. And it's like, I should have just eaten this in the first place. Yes. Went to the chase. Yeah. So satisfaction tends to um, lead to smaller portions and leaning into those, those desires that we have. Yeah. And then would the other extreme of the emotional eating spectrum look something like punishment, like punishing yourself or trying to sedate certain feelings with food? Yeah. So, um, as you get further down, um, punishment is at the other end and that comes when you're trying to use food to sedate yourself very much like, um, when you receive anesthesia medication and it kind of, um, makes you fall asleep or you zone out and you're kind of out of touch. Like the same feeling is, um, people can try to use food for the same feeling, um, mm-hmm. because there's difficult emotions and it's too hard to feel those. So then they use food as a way to soothe themselves. Um, and then when they do that, they can feel a lot of guilt and shame around yeah. that. And then they can punish themselves by eating large amounts of food in a really forceful manner. So if you're on that end of the spectrum with the sedation, the punishment, I would highly encourage you to seek out a therapist. Yes. Yeah. That is a more serious form of emotional eating. I think, too, the one um, distraction, which is more in the middle, I think that's one that a lot of people can relate to. Um, I definitely can't. In college, I hated doing homework. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, go to the store and like buy candy bars and just really put off homework because I it was uncomfortable to have to like force yourself to sit there and study um so using food as a way to distract yourself from feeling from boredom from stress um although that can be an okay thing that can be fine to do that if it's our only coping skill if that's all you have is food to deal with those feelings Mm -hmm. then you're going to run into some issues Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I love that you mentioned like the middle of the spectrum as well. Um, and I think that could also relate to maybe like having a glass of wine to relax in the evening. Like if you've had a long day and just like you said, I mean, that can be okay and, you know, helpful and relaxing, but taking it too far can also be really detrimental and not healthy. So yeah, like you want to have a lot of different tools in your emotional eating toolbox in your emotional toolbox. Yeah. Um, One could be emotional eating. I think it's fine when you have a hard day and you feel like, you know what, I really want to go get a Ben and Jerry's and that's (laughs) a great way to cope with that sad feeling. We all need that sometimes. um, (laughs) um, You need to expand your toolbox. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing I work on with my clients. And one of the techniques I teach them is um, to take a time out. And that's when you um, are wanting to eat and you recognize, okay, this, well, you feel kind of this urgency to eat and you commit to taking a time out for five minutes and connecting with your body and figuring out, okay, is this physical hunger? If it is, I need to eat. So go eat. If it's not physical hunger, then um, figuring out what are you feeling? What is the, the emotion that you're feeling right now? Maybe it's loneliness. And then what do I really need? Right. <laughs> do I really yeah. need food? Which is great. 
it could be a great option to use food, or it could be like, you know what? I really um, just need to talk to somebody, talk to a friend. Um, so doing that instead of reaching for food, um, but also allowing yourself to eat after that um, five minute timeout um, is important because you don't want to create deprivation. Um, if you're saying I have to take this time out and I can't eat after, then that is probably going to lead you to binge later. Yes, yes. I love that technique. Thank you for sharing. Um, I feel like I'm going to try that next time. I'm like feeling like I've had a rough day or just a little sad. And like, yeah, just pause, take a moment, figure out exactly what you're feeling. I find it extremely helpful as well. And another thing it really helps with too is building our emotional muscles. Mm -hmm. Um, When I grew up, I grew up in a very conservative, really religious home, and they um, encouraged me not to feel bad feelings. So if I felt like sadness or anger, that was seen as negative and bad. So I would just repress those feelings. And so growing up, I learned, okay, this is a normal emotion, but I had to build my emotional muscles to be able to experience those feelings. And obviously sometimes things are so traumatic and hard that feeling those emotions are really, really difficult. And so having the help of a therapist to process those emotions is very important. Yeah. Um, but for uh, for other people who just need to kind of learn to sit with the discomfort, mm-hmm. um, that's another thing that taking a time out can do is you can just learn to, you know, have a negative emotion and for it to be okay. Yes. Yeah. And it will pass. Yes. Yes. Sometimes <laughs> it's just so helpful just to sit and like recognize how you're feeling, feel it, and then uh-huh. figure out what you need to do to move on. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so moral of the story, emotional eating can be good, can be bad, but you just got to kind of find a happy medium with it, it Mm -hmm. seems. Yeah. (laughs) All about balance. All about balance. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about diet culture. So I would say um, diet culture, I feel like, is what creates this unrealistic, these unrealistic standards of our body and food. And diet culture to me is like, what has put into our minds, like good foods and bad foods. Uh And how do you, how can you help people navigate this diet culture and work past these things that are being like shoved in our faces every day? Yeah. I think one of the biggest things um, is recognizing diet culture. And this is something I do with my clients. Um, Cause if you can see it, then you're not going to get sucked back into it. Right. Yeah. And cause there is some, some negative side effects that can come from that where you have your guilt and your shame around food, you're fearing weight gain, um, you know, putting at risk for an eating disorder and all the awful stuff that comes with mm-hmm. it. So some of the diet culture is obvious. Um, for example, like if an influencer is trying to sell you an appetite stimulant, you're yeah. like, okay, that's definitely diet culture. Yeah. <laughs> I used to be for like, you know, get your summer bikini body and lose weight. Um, but some of this stuff is less obvious. Um, for example, you know, the lack of diversity um, with the media showing different body sizes So I'll often give my clients an assignment where they go and curate their social media accounts and they'll start to follow people who have different body sizes so that they can gain a better appreciation for um, all the different, you know, sizes that we have. Yeah. Um, Because I feel like a lot of the messaging around body has been this thin ideal um, and society's notion of beauty. 
And now we have these people who, you know, have their influencers who are, you know, showing their bodies and they're rocking it and they look amazing and it's good to follow them and start to realize like, okay, there's, there's a lot of different, the spectrum is wider. (laughs) Yes. Um, And then, sorry, do you have a question? Oh, I was just going to say, um, I was going to bring up like the health at every size movement. Right, what are your yeah. thoughts on that? Like, is you think it's good and like positive? Yeah. So um, that's something I support. Um, I am a body neutral. I take a, a, a weight neutral approach to a nutrition where I'm not trying to like help you lose weight. I'm just trying to help people be able to trust their genetic blueprint. I believe that our body has the ability to regulate our calories and our weight, yeah. um, just like how it can regulate our body temperature. Um, when we go higher above, higher or below our body temperature, then it starts to activate these different mechanisms in our body and then adjust it. And the same thing, researchers find the same thing happens with our weight and our calories. And the body is super, super good at that, much better than like a calorie formula if we were to follow a calorie formula or an app mm-hmm. that has great precision doing that. So I help um, my clients be able to trust that when they listen to their cues of hunger, fullness, and satisfaction, that the body is going to manage that. And you don't have to uh, try to control that so much. Yeah. I feel like our bodies are so much, like, I think we need to give our bodies more credit, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I think like our bodies know exactly what they're doing and we try to control them too often when, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it's, it's definitely way easier said than done to just yeah. let go of all of that. It's something that needs work. That's for sure. But yeah. it's like, our bodies are amazing. And yep. especially as women, I mean, everybody's bodies are amazing, but like as women, we have the ability to create humans. And it's like, when I yeah. think about that, it is so uh-huh. crazy. And I think especially after having a baby, this is me just like going on my little rant here. No, you go. <laughs> especially after having a baby, it's like, you have to give yourself a lot of grace because your body may not look exactly the same and mm-hmm. that's fine and that's normal and you're getting older and as women get older, their bodies look different. Like you're not going to mm-hmm. look the same way you did when you were... 16 years old in high school yes I think diet culture just plays into that and telling us like oh you like you said you need to look a certain way always and I I think diet culture doesn't take into account the life changes that people go through and absolutely (laughs) yeah so anyways rant over but (laughs) no I love that you brought that up I mean it's such a great point yeah it's this unrealistic standard of what our body should look like and um for me after having kids um the one of the most helpful things I did was to buy like stretchy pants uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and I have like jeans that were pinching my body. Cause I just felt like it was wrong. Yeah. Um, and it felt like I needed to fix it. Um, so that's one thing I recommend to my clients is yeah, just go get some clothes that fit. Um, and then, um, Oh, and another thing I was thinking, I'm sorry. My mind is like jumping. Cause it's just fine. a great thought. Um, I heard this mantra and I love it. I've been thinking about it a lot lately. And it says, um, our body is the keeper of our magic. Oh my God. Um, Yeah. Our body is the keeper of our magic. I really, really like that because it takes the focus off of our appearance and just recognizes that there's so much more to us than our physical appearance. Um, we have different characteristics and talents, um, and gifts and being able to appreciate that and shift, um, more of the focus on those things versus, you know, how is our body looking? 
Yes. And something that I always think about too, um, and not to get morbid here, but like at your funeral, like nobody's going to stand up there and be like, oh yeah, she was a size whatever. Like, I don't want to throw out numbers, but you know, like nobody's going to say like, oh, her body looked like this, or she was this size. Like nobody can talk about that after you're gone. So what do you ask people to say? Like she was Mm -hmm. a kind hearted soul that, you know, it was an inspiration and worked hard. And so I think it's important to remember those things too. It puts it into perspective. Yeah. And I think too, like figuring out, you know, how, how would you, what do you think of your friends? Like, I don't like judge my friends based on their appearance. Like I love them because of their qualities, right? their characteristics. And it's interesting that we're so hard on ourselves, but when it comes to our friends, we don't have those same standards. So being able to, okay, how can I start to treat myself like I would a friend? Yes, totally. Yes. Like you would never say mean, I mean, I would hope you would never say mean things to your friends that we say to ourselves sometimes in our head. Sometimes we really got to just check in with our self-talk and realize what we're actually putting into our thoughts. Um, Yeah, because it can make a difference in how we feel and then consequently our behaviors and our actions for sure. Yeah. So I... um, I was vegan for six months a few years ago and Mm -hmm. it just like ended up not being for me. I originally by doing it, like just lost a bunch of weight and then it led to a really restrictive mindset. Um, Mm -hmm. But there are so many documentaries these days that I'm sure are very biased, but they show how a vegan diet can cure certain diseases and, you know, fix this physical ailment about you or I don't know, anything Mm -hmm. like that. Do you think that there are, uh, benefits to diets like that, like vegan, vegetarian? Um, or do you think that like all food groups should be included? Yeah, that's a really tricky subject. Um, and I'm glad you asked about it. Um, so there's, I think there's a couple of things that can happen. You have, um, your ethics, um, and people follow vegan diets for, you know, ethical reasons. Um, I think that can also get convoluted with trying to look like a certain image. I think Mm -hmm. veganism comes with, okay, a certain look that people are trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. So being able to disentangle that, um, where it is, okay, am I trying to follow veganism so that I can shrink my body? Um, And then am I using um, veganism to follow uh, these rigid dietary rules that are, you know, shrinking my life because I'm spending a lot of time researching um, recipes, I'm meal planning, um, it's, I'm thinking about food when I'm out with friends, like, should I eat that? Should I not? Instead of focusing on the relationship with that person, um, how are you serving my life? Yeah. Yeah. So I think you have to examine that as well. Um, when you're approaching that topic, I think we also have to look at, I think what diet culture tends to do is overstate um, the role that food and weight plays and, you know, curing uh, diseases or preventing diseases and understates things like social determinants of health. So that could be like poverty or loneliness or childhood trauma or racism, any sort of oppression that when people are experiencing those things, they tend to have elevated cortisol levels, and that could lead to greater inflammation, um, which could um, lead to chronic diseases. Mm -hmm. Um, So we don't want to be hyper-focused on food and weight and miss out on things that actually may uh, uh, lead to a greater impact on our health. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't want to ignore those things. 
um, because we're so focused on this area, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. Um, And I know you mentioned briefly there about how like your cortisol levels rise and that can lead to a lot of things. So Mm -hmm. do you think, how do you think that stress plays a role on your diet? I think sometimes if we're eating super healthy diets, Mm -hmm. but we're, it makes us very stressed and anxious, um, then it um, can sometimes like take away any extra nutrients that you were getting because you are stressed and anxious. So you may not be getting those nutritional benefits because on the other hand, um, you know, maybe you're not having that connection with others because you're super focused on how you're eating or just overall more anxiety about food. If yes. that makes sense. Yeah. And I feel like today's world is a very stressed society for the most part. Like there's a yeah. lot of things and stressors that people have in their lives. And I feel like intuitive eating can help you at least lift off, lift away one of those stressors of thinking about food all the time when we can just yeah. stress our bodies. Yeah, like that's really the goal of intuitive eating is to have a natural, easier relationship with food and gentle nutrition is a part of it. It's the last principle and something I approach near the end because at the beginning, I really want to help the client be able to remove any sort of restriction because it's very easy to take nutrition information and turn it into a diet. So there's things that need to be in place before we approach that topic. But I do believe that nutrition can help you feel better. Like when we have whole grains or eating fruits and vegetables and having lentils and more of a high fiber diet, then yeah, like I think you're going to tend to feel better. You're going to have more energy. You'll probably, you know, have, um, go to the bathroom and not have constipation. (laughs) Sorry, I'm a dietitian, clinical dietitian. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I think it can help, but we also don't want to, um, ignore those other things that may have a bigger impact. Yeah, definitely. I think that's really great that you apply that at the end too, because I know at least for me personally, um, when I did struggle, like very in the thick of things with my disordered eating and stuff, like focusing on macros and tracking what I was eating was a huge Mm -hmm. part of it. So yes, like carbs, fats, and um, protein are all things that should play a role in a healthy diet. Mm -hmm. But when you're so hyper-focused on getting certain numbers and hitting those things, it's mm-hmm. like really unhealthy. So again, That's like good. finding the balance of having those things, but not focusing too much on them seems to be a good, good plan. Yeah. yeah. And I think you're showing compassion there as well. If you are following um, a diet where that it serves many purposes, um, people use it as a way to control, feel some sort of certainty or control. Um, for example, I was talking to a friend and he had, she grew up in a household where um, they controlled a lot of what she did. And so the only place where she felt like she had, she could make decisions was her food. Mm-hmm. And so it, it did lead to an unhealthy relationship with food. Um, but understanding that it's really complex and um, yeah, there, it, it, can help people as well that there's pros and there's cons. And I, with clients, I examine that. I help them look at that and figure out, you know, what's the best path for them. Yeah. All right. So, um, to finish it up here, I just want to ask a couple fun questions. Um, so Nicole, what are some good, uh, quote unquote, like healthy on the go snacks? Um, especially if you do have a busy schedule and you want something that will help keep you satiated and full. Yeah, that's a really good question. So one of my favorites is um, frozen waffles. Oh my god! And, 
<laughs> yeah. So, and there's, I think the brand is Kodiak. I may mm-hmm. be saying it wrong, but yeah. they have extra protein. Yeah. So, so our trying, you know, working on the balance part of nutrition where you're getting the, the protein, the fat and the fiber, uh, sorry, the protein, fat and carbs, um, putting some peanut butter on top of that, obviously like put in a toaster oven. I wouldn't recommend like eating frozen waffles, but if it's your thing, go for it. <laughs> okay, great. So briefly, this is something that I did when I was younger and I would still do it now. I would eat frozen waffles like nice. while they're still frozen. I don't know why. That's a weird thing. But anyways, well, people better. Then, you know, eat popsicles. Yeah. I don't like that like cold feeling on my teeth, but hey, yeah. if it's your thing. Hey, they're better warm though. I will say they're better warm. <laughs> so you can uh, take that waffle and then put some peanut butter on top of it. You can put some berries on top of it. So um, you're getting protein from um, both the waffle and um, if you're using that Kodiak brand, the waffle and um, the yogurt. And then depending on what yogurt you're using, if you're using full fat, then you're going to get fat um, in that food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, um, the berries are going to have some carbs and some fiber. So that's a really easy on the go snack. Um, another one that involves, uh, peanut butter. I love peanut butter is peanut butter and apples. Ooh, yeah. Um, so you can cut them and put the peanut butter on top and make it look like a cookie shape. And then you can either put like chocolate chips on top if you want something a little bit more sweet, or you can put granola on top. So that's another fun one. Yeah. And you get to make Um, it look cute too. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Um, And then uh, cheese and crackers. I really like that. Um, You can have hummus and vegetables and crackers with that. Um, I'm trying to think what else I have on the go. Are there any um, like pre-made um granola bars that you would like buy from the store like anything Mm -hmm. that you wouldn't um make on your own like are there any bars like protein bars granola bars that you like yeah and this is I buy granola bars to put in my car (laughs) so I can have those on hand (laughs) and I get bored of granola bars so I will eat a box and then I will move on to another one yeah Um, so hey now I'm just eating the sweet and salty I'm pretty sure everyone has tried that by now to nature's valley right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. um and then what else uh the kind bars are really good yeah um, and then I guess that bring that introduces an interesting topic around like, okay, added sugar, should I be concerned about that or not? I think as far as nutrition, if um, you are sacrificing your satisfaction, like if you would really like that sweet and salty, but you're like, uh, I should get something with less sugar. And then you feel that deprivation mm-hmm. and um, then that... I would recommend leaning into that desire. Right. And if you feel the same about both of them, it doesn't matter if you have a sweet and a salty granola bar or a kind bar, then sure, go with the kind bar that has less sugar. Yeah. Um, but that's often how intuitive eaters will make decisions about nutrition, not sacrificing um, their desires, um, but then bringing that in if it's, if it's not going to uh, create deprivation. If yeah. that makes sense. No, it totally does. So kind of asking yourself maybe like, which one will satisfy me more in this moment or mm-hmm. yeah, a good yeah. way to go about it? Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to go about it. Yeah. I love that. Um, and I just wanted to get your opinion on these. And I know these are great snacks that I love, um, especially like um, on the go, like breakfast or 
I don't want to say it's not like a full breakfast meal, but I really like the Belveda biscuits. I don't have you. Oh, had those? those are so good. I love them. And they say on the box, something about like four hours of energy or something. They really I do help keep me full. I wouldn't say maybe for four hours, but I feel like those are really um, a good snack. And mm-hmm. something else I've been into lately are those um, nature's bakery fig bars have you seen them oh my gosh yes they yeah. have those at they're so good <laughs> yeah, they have all sorts of flavors I love the brownie ones but right now we have the raspberry ones in our cabinet downstairs oh yeah that sounds so good yeah with the the Belvita is that what they're called Belvita yeah yeah um but with the four hours of um fullness I'm curious about that because everybody has like a different amount of food that will yeah yeah. Your particular body. Um, I'm curious where they got that from. But yeah, I would obviously encourage people if they're still hungry to eat, <laughs> even if it, you know you had it and it's two hours later and you're like, no, it's supposed to sustain me for four hours. Like, too bad hunger. Like, I'm just gonna keep going. Like, I definitely yeah. honor your hunger. Yes, it's kind of like that diet culture almost. Like, I huh. hate. I think something that I've at least been more in tuned with is going to the store and seeing things. And honestly, I love Halo Top ice cream. Are you familiar with it? I had it once. I am an ice cream snob. <laughs> I mean, like you just want to eat the real thing. I get it. Um, <laughs> but it's like eat um, these phrases that p- companies now put on packaging. It's like um, ice cream without like the guilt or, you know, um, I, I don't know. I can't think of anything else off the top of my head, but it's, then it's like putting that inclination on there that you're to be guilty for eating ice cream. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yeah. That's a great observation for sure. Yeah. yeah that's a part of diet culture. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, that guilt around food. Yeah. That doesn't need to be there. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. Um, so quick question. Um, is popcorn healthy? Like, is it? I have popcorn in my cupboard right now. I have a lot of things in my cupboard right now. (laughs) Same. Um, So it has fiber and it provides some carbohydrate. I think if that's all you're eating for a snack, I would guess that you're going to feel hungry soon after eating that. I feel like it's not filling. I could eat a whole bag of popcorn (laughs) and probably still be hungry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think people use it as a way to trick their hunger where they're like, oh, I have, you know, three cups of popcorn, which is a large volume of food. But like you said, it doesn't have a lot of sustaining power. It doesn't really, um, it's not going to keep you full for very long. And it doesn't really satisfy your hunger completely normally. Yeah. Um, I would say like grab a handful of almonds or some nuts with that, throw in some um, uh, chocolate chips. um, Right. Yeah, because, yeah, it, it's probably not going to be healthy. Yeah, you need something else. <laughs> satisfy you. Yeah, totally feel that. So thank you, Nicole, so much for being on and sharing all of your knowledge with us. I feel like I learned a lot from you, and I'm so happy that you took time to sit down and share with everybody. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, you can follow me. I'm on Instagram, um, intuitiveeating.com. Um, the number four life. Um, okay. I also um, have websites the same intuitive eating again for life and dot com. Dot com. Yeah. Um, if you have questions, can people reach out? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. I know like some people like may not like want everybody, but like, so people have questions or if they want to know more, they can like choo choo DM or an email or something. Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. 
Yeah. Yeah. Go follow Nicole. She has such good information to share. I love her Instagram page and um, go follow her. Go see what she has to say. So thanks so much for having me. All right. Thank you.